Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Today's podcast is being brought to you by one of my very, very favorite platforms called Kajabi. If you're looking for a platform to host a website, to capture leads, to convert leads, to do a simple sales funnel or a lead page, Kajabi houses all of that stuff under one roof. One of the things that you will love, it removes all barriers of using technology. It can help you soar your business online and scale your business. It is absolutely the easiest platform I've ever built on, on the back end. And for the user experience, it is amazing. And it is so easy to use for an exclusive rate. And to get a free trial, go to my link, angelaprofit.com slash Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. Before we get started today, I have a question for you. Are you too busy to do one more thing, to add one more thing to your plate? Chances are that you're feeling like you don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. You're pulled in a million directions There are so many distractions, notifications. You may not be sleeping. You find yourself saying yes to the wrong things and you're stressed. Is it ever going to end? If you want a solution to overcome distractions, I have a free gift for you. You can go grab my free video course. This is a four-day short video course that will teach you what the first steps are to stop the distractions, increase your productivity, and get your time back. You can register today for the four steps to better productivity at gsdsecrets.com. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And you are in for a big treat today because if you are trying to build an audience, if you're an entrepreneur and you might work B2B, you might work B2C, but regardless of who your target audience is, we all need leads. We all need leads to convert them to sales. And As my dad taught me, as you grow up, you be nice to everybody, you do what you say you're going to do, and you build trust. And guess what? People buy from people they like, and they buy from people that they trust, which then gets you a community. So when you have community and you build trust, then you have good, solid leads. And that is what founder of Automation Wolf, Matthew Hunt, is going to talk to us about today. And he teaches people how to get it for free, 
And yeah, free um, while upping your brand to celebrity status. And it's all through simple, automated, outbound strategies. So if you're looking to do anything with automation, if you need a strategy, if you need to build a community, you need to stay for the full podcast episode today. So Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So before we dive in and start talking about B2B and okay. lead and mm-hmm. content generation and automation and all that fun stuff that I geek out on, take mm-hmm. us back, t- tell us about your journey. How did you grow up? Where did you grow up? And how have, what's your journey been to where you got today in the B2B content space? Yeah, sure. No, no problem. So uh, I'm actually from Toronto, Canada. um, And uh, I accidentally kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship by mistake. Uh, I was probably destined for it anyways, uh, because uh, I was terrible at school being a, a dyslexic. And so there were many options for me to do besides become an entrepreneur at the end of the day. But uh, I stumbled into it backwards and I've been doing it for about 13 years now. And so um, I've, I've scaled a couple companies and ex- exited a couple. And I've also had a couple companies that were epic failures. Uh, luckily enough, I discovered it quickly and ended it before I dragged out too long. <laughs> Sometimes you learn more from, yeah, sometimes you learn more from your mistakes than you learn from uh, your wins, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like I learn so much more because I feel like if everything is a win and everything is like easy and like go with the flow, then I'm not learning anything. And so like we just got done producing a digital conference and you know, the year of 2020 is like everything go digital because of COVID. And um, it was our first time using this 3D virtual platform, which Mm. was freaking amazing. Mm. But for the generation that is like 65 and plus and over, and Mm. like they don't understand how to work their devices, it was very challenging. And so instead of actually interacting with the thousands of people on the platform, my team and I were troubleshooting (laughs) and making videos and PDFs for the older people. But it's like we didn't know because it's the first time we've done it. So now we have like this great digital binder of all the troubleshooting problems that you can possibly have on every single flipping device then <laughs> that you can uh, watch a digital anything on. So, but now like I can use that, you know, to help other people who are going to be producing digital, you know, summits or conferences online. So we always learn from those things. And I don't really think that it was a mistake because like, I didn't know to ask these people like, what devices are you on? I mean, there were people, I'm like, can you send me a screenshot? And they're like, what's a screenshot? I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a long three days. But we got (laughs) through it and it's all good. It's all good. Um, So the company that that you have now, which is Automation Wolf, Mm -hmm. so where did that name come from, first off? Yeah, see, so there's really nothing too much to it, except for I was looking for a really simple domain that was really? easy, to, yeah, easy to spell. And, you know, listen, I, I picked some pretty terrible domains in the past over the last 10 years. And and I don't get too caught up with those things um, t- today as much. So my whole theory in general in business anyways, particularly for B2B and just about anything is, I don't really build anything or put too much effort into it until someone buys something from me. Um, so like, <laughs> and it's only because I, 
I've only made the mistake before where, you know, I come up with an idea and I'm like, yes. And then I floated it around there and everyone goes, yeah, that's a great idea. And then nobody then they convert. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get them to vote with their wallets. That's the key. Even if you're not making any big money, just get people to hand you cash right away on a very simple idea, like a paper napkin idea. If you can't do that then, or you can't launch a beta of, of an idea, if you can't put together like a very simple, you know, uh, VSL video sales letter is what it stands for, for people who don't know what that stands for, you know, and sell something in advance, then don't, don't build it. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've wasted so much energy on something I should have never built instead of just selling it first and fixing it, fixing it and making it better later. You know, just call it a beta, like call it yes. what it is. Let people know, don't set up false expectations. Say, Hey, look, normally I'm going to charge, you know, X amount of dollars for this, but I'm going to discount it by 75% cause it's a beta. And I just want to see, you know, what I'm missing and what you guys need to know, sell it and then go build that thing. And I, I do that all the time. I love doing that. That's how I test new things now, but, um, it's the, it's the way to go. So like I, when I learned how to build online courses, I kind of went like crazy. And so I developed like all these online courses and I never launched them until they were completely done in my head, in my standard. And then I went to a conference where I heard this girl speak and she's like, oh no, we never build anything. Like, you know, we, we test it. So we do pre-launches and we pre-sell these courses, which gives us funds to actually build the courses. And then it's like, it's almost the way she talked about it was like an artist. I think she used like Taylor Swift as a, you know, and I'm from Nashville. I live in Nashville. It's like, I know a lot of these people because, Mm. you know, we've worked with them before in some capacity. Mm. And so she's like, when she's about to launch a new album, they do like this 90 day, like build up, build up, build up, build up. And then, you know, so you have thousands of people waiting for these new albums she's like that's the way you have to think about selling things online and in my mind I'm like this chick is crazy I would never do that and now I'm like (laughs) I'm the dumb one (laughs) like you just have to think differently and I never thought of it that way but that's actually how we do a lot of stuff moving forward and the other thing I learned about it too is one course a year like not Mm. five (laughs) Not five, mm-hmm. not 10. I'm like, are you guys lazy? And then mm-hmm. I learned like, no, you beta test it. You tweak it. Mm-hmm. You, you ask for feedback. And the feedback consistently that I kept getting to one of them was this is too much information. Like, yeah. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. And, you know, when we're so close to something, you don't realize like when you do something every single day, it seems easy to us. Yeah. But to someone who's trying to intake new information and change their processes and their ways, it's not that easy. So it's really good feedback. Um, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I just wish I would have learned that like 10 years ago. So I wouldn't have wasted so much time and money, Totally, totally but Hey, yeah. we yeah, learned the hard way. Yeah. It's called the curse of knowledge. That's what you have, right? So you're, yep. you're too, too close to it. You can't see the trees in the forest and what you think is like easy or interesting is not usually the thing that your audience actually needs help with, you know? So if you can even do it, just a, a beta live version of it, you quickly start to find out, Oh, this is what they need and what's important to them. And then you can give them that thing. Yeah, totally. So I know that you're an expert at building community. So 
and, and building trust with people before you build community. So what are some steps or techniques that if, if someone listening is a new entrepreneur and, uh, or maybe they've been at it for a long time, but they've never built any type of a real community, meaning like, I think when I think of community, I'm like, you got to be present. You got to be present consistently and you've got to build trust. So what are some things that you've learned over the time becoming the expert at that? Sure. So, so I, so I want to talk, you know, first let's like maybe speak a little bit about like the communities, like why you might want to build one. And, and, you, and this may not be the right answer for you. Generally speaking, I help people who want to grow their B2B businesses. So an example of these individuals, it could be a, like a founder CEO of a, of a marketing agency. It could be a founder of a B2B SaaS company, or you could be selling high ticket consulting and coaching. Okay. So those, those would be sort of the main buckets of the people I usually help. And when you're selling B2B high ticket stuff, you know, it, it, the higher the ticket goes, the more trust you need. <laughs> and, and the quicker you start to realize that people really only make it, a sales only made when you really break it down to three things. Okay. There one, there needs to be a problem. <laughs> Two, yep. there needs to be a budget. And three, there needs to be trust. And this is assuming that you have some sort of service or product that is like half decent. It doesn't have to be the best product or service because it's not always the best products and services that win. Often it's the people who have the most trust with the marketplace and the best marketing and positioning that win. But you need product, budget, trust to equal sale. Those are the first principles of that. Now you can't control when someone has a problem and you can't control if they have a budget, but what you can control is the trust. And so what I usually recommend to people is I go, look, if you're targeting a particular niche and assuming you've carved down to a niche, let's hope that you've done that because the riches are in the niches, but let's say you go down to that. You, once you know, once you figure out what your, your niche is, or in the, in the US you call it niche, right? The rich, and, and so you find your oh, niche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you find, you, you find your niche and then you know who they are. They're not, these people are not invisible, right? So the, the, the first thing you need to do is build a list of these individuals, but then you need to come up with something that you can reach out to them to start bridging that gap of trust. Well, if you just reach out to them cold in your stranger, well, you know, we all know what that means. Stranger means danger. I mean, your parents taught it to you since you were three years old. And if you have children, mm -hmm. you're teaching it to your children. So it's not a really good offer right? So you got to come up with a better offer. A lot of times that offer is community, okay? And, and inviting someone to a community, it doesn't come across as salesy or sleazy or slimy and is usually welcomed by most. And, and most people want to join it because birds of a feather flock together, right? So if you're like a CMO at another, you know, one company, you're only one CMO. But if you said, hey, I've got this awesome community, it could be online or offline, it doesn't really matter of other CMOs, do you want to come hang out with other people? They'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds pretty cool, right? Because it's, it's lonely. You could do this with CTOs, CIOs, you could do this for any industry whatsoever. Even if you get into the entrepreneur niche in general, if you invite a chiropractor to a chiropractor group, they're more likely to want to join them than just a general entrepreneur group. There's just something about like-minded people that gravitate towards each other. It's the same reason why Comic-Con works or people drive, you know, 
hundreds of thousands of miles sometimes just to go and hang out with other people who own the same vehicle as them. Like we're fanatical mm -hmm. about being around people that are like us, right? So the whole concept birds of feather uh, flock together is why it's attractive to them. Now the trick is when you create a community is that you actually want to make it a little bit hard to participate in. You want it to make sure it's, it's private. Okay. And, and, and the reason why it needs to be private is the same reason that private golf clubs work or private ski clubs or private, you know, supper clubs work. People want to belong to something that's not necessarily easy. If everybody can get in, then it's not that exciting anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. that's true. And then it becomes that secret society thing. And you know how secret societies work. It's really, really important. And some people who make a lot of money off this community thing, I mean, some people will fly all the way to, you know, Necker Island to rub elbows with Richard Brunson and get their picture taken with them. It's that important, you know, to do something like that. Now I'm not saying that's why you should build a community, but that's a great offer to start with you know, is, is the community. And that's why it works. Now, what happens when you actually offer community instead of your services to begin with is you get to capture the whole market versus just those people that are in market. And what I mean by that is that, if I was to, let's just say you sold website design services or something like that, and you took a, 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 a thousand random entrepreneurs and put them into a room and we said to them, hey, raise your hand if you are going to be looking to redesign or build a new website in the next few months. Well, you're probably going to notice that somewhere between one and 4% of the room raises their hand. Those are the people who are in market looking for what it is that you do right now, assuming that you, you know, sell website design services. Now, if we change the question said, Hey, who here in their entire entrepreneurial career between now and the end of it would be looking to redesign their website or have a new one built? Well, the majority of the room is going to raise their hand at that point, probably 99.9%. So they can all buy from you, right? You just don't know when that's going to be. You don't know when they're going to have the problem. And you really shouldn't care. And whether they have the budget or not, you can't control either. But what we want to do is we want to put them into a controlled environment, like a community, because once you have them in a controlled environment that you control, you can now build rapport with them. You can now build goodwill with them. You can now do one-to-many educating and one-to-many selling so that they can get to know, like, and trust you. And if you have that trust, then at the end of the day, when the problem arises, you usually get the first shot at it. And when you have that trust, price becomes less of an issue. And I could give you an example of that. I'll, I'll give you a real life example real quick of, of how, yeah. how, how much this matters. Okay. So in Toronto, we're allowed to build these laneway homes in the back of our backyards. It's like where you would park behind our house and there's like a laneway there. They're called laneway homes because we're what running that. What does that at, mean? Is it like another house? It's like another house. Yeah. Think of it as like a coach house almost, right? Okay. So in Toronto, we're running out of land. You know, it's a city of four or five million people and we just don't mm -hmm. have enough land. It's the fourth largest city in North America. Most people don't know that. And so we have no land. And so the, the governments here basically said, hey, if you live in Toronto, we're going to allow you to build in your backyard, basically build another house in your backyard because we have no more land. So I'm allowed to do that. So I'm going to do that because it's a great way of creating some additional cash flow and adding some equity to my property. Like, why not? I'm in Toronto. Totally. 
like I'm going to do it. So I got a quote from a friend, a family member that I trust, you know, very, very much. And they quoted me $320,000 to build this uh, 800 square foot, two bedroom uh, house in, in mm -hmm. Toronto, my backyard. But then I got another quote from someone else I didn't know. And their quote was $240,000. That's an $80,000 Delta. But who am I going to end up choosing? I'm going to choose the what person What was so that. different? Was the lumber better or something? <laughs> well, so yes, of course, you're going to get into all these things. Why is it so different? But at the end of the day, you're going to choose the person that you know and trust. Right? And like, correct. And like, yeah. And so this is the power that, 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 that I talk about is an example that price doesn't matter when you have trust. Your price can actually go up. You can charge more when you have trust. You can actually suck at sales, be terrible at sales and still close deals, right? <laughs> and so this is the great yeah. thing about building trust. So when you take all these people cold and then put them in a controlled environment like a community, and then you do get some leverage by doing this one to, one to many selling to them, you get to build rapport and trust with them that you can do amazing things where the byproduct ends up being like a lot of great deals for you with lots of great margins and profit in it, right? So this is where I said, again, it's not always the best products and services that win. It's those that actually build the most trust with their ideal buyers, their ideal clients, right? Now, here's part two that's really, really important to this strategy to getting this right. This is really, really important, mm -hmm. okay? One of the biggest mistakes people make is they're always trying to be the expert. It's a, it's a huge mistake. You have to stop being the expert. Instead, you have to start thinking like a talent scout, just like what you're doing right now. This is a perfect example of it, this podcast. You mm -hmm. go out and you find great talent and you interview them. And what ends up happening is if you interview this talent, you put those interviews in that community as either snackable little short video content or long form. Both, both is good. Generally speaking, if people don't know you, they'll consume your short snackable content first. But as they, as you build up more trust, they become sort of super fans will listen to your longer form content. But initially, all you want to do is interview other people and be standing beside those other people. This is what Oprah did. This is what Tim Ferriss did. This is what Joe Rogan did. <laughs> These are all people who are experts of absolutely nothing. But what ends up happening when you interview other really smart people, Mm -hmm. there's the law of transference that happens. Okay. It's literally, this is like a real law. This is like, this is physics, but basically all their expertise and all their brand gets transferred to you because you're standing there. And here's what happens is you interview smart person. You're there. They go away. Next smart person comes in. You interview them again. They go away. Next smart person comes in. You interview them. They go away. Next smart, smart person comes in. Well, all the smart people come and go, but the only constant in the community in front of that audience is you. You're the only person everybody remembers. And because you brought smart people to them and you taught that audience what to look for and what to look out for, they now trust you. So for example, if we look at Oprah today, who's not really been in the game for a long time, but if she decided to say, hey, sends out a tweet, says, this is a really great company. They've really been sort of struggling, barely surviving because of COVID. It'd be really great if you go to their website and buy a gift card and you can cash it in later on when they can open up. Well, that business would go from barely surviving to thriving overnight based on that endorsement. Why? Because she's been yep. banking trust equity, trust equity, trust equity, goodwill and goodwill and goodwill by interviewing other people, other experts and so on. Right. And that's all you need to do. So if you just get those two pieces working together, one is find your ideal prospect and client. Instead of reaching them out to them to sell them your services, don't because you're a stranger danger. Instead, invite them to your community of like-minded people. And then three, go out there and interview other smart people. Stop trying to be the smart person and put that content 
in the community. At the end of the day, they're going to build someone's trust. They're going to take any recommendation. So if your product is a good fit, great. If not, you can refer someone else's. And it's a great way to create all kinds of JV partnerships and all kinds of wonderful things that can come from it after that. It's really endless at the options that you can, you know, leverage that community. I mean, literally almost gives you a license to print money on demand whenever you want. It's, it's really quite, quite a beautiful thing. And so if you do those two things, that's it. You're done. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. The, the, that's it. It's that simple. Just do those, do those very simple things and, and you win. I know everybody overcomplicates this stuff. They want to create these funnels and these self-liquidating offers. And I call them these Rube Goldberg machines. This thing triggers that thing that triggers that thing that triggers this thing and then triggers this thing and then triggers that thing. And I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> and it's just so bloody hard to do. Nothing ever gets done, right? And all you do is a whole bunch of little things that never result in anything. But instead, if you just pick a couple really good evergreen strategies. These are not going away. This will be around forever to the, until, until the end of days. And you just do that. It works really great. The cool thing is it leverages what's called the network effect. Okay. And the network effect, this is again, going back to physics. Like you, if you ever want to Google it, go Google Metcast law and reads law. This is what big businesses do. And so every big business leverages the network effect. Uber uses it. Amazon uses it. eBay uses it. Google uses it. Facebook uses it. YouTube uses it. You name it, they, they've created it. It's any system that you, the more, the more people that join it, the better it gets. Well, it's like a community. The more people that join it, the better it gets. It's like the interview story. The more interviews you do, the bigger your audience gets, the more trust you earn. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and better and better and better. And that's what you want to do, right? You want to make sure you're investing all your time in something that gets better over time and something that leverages the snowball effect, right? Where eventually it takes on a life of its own and it just, you know, runs out of control. And the great thing about like a community is you're not responsible for creating all the content. Your responsibility is to start conversations and then let the peer to peers do the education. And by starting conversations, you become a good host, just like at a party, you do introductions. You don't need to host and come up with all the content. So when you look at the 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of the time you start conversations and maybe drop in some of your interviews. And 80% of the time, the community is there to create all the content for you for free. So you can get all your content created for free. You're working way too hard. Everybody's working way, way too hard. <laughs> I agree a hundred percent. Like there's one client that we have, they have 6,000 people in their network that are certified in this specific area. Right. And they're like new business, new business, new leads, new databases, new business, new leads. And I'm like, guys, if you just nurture your 6,000, thousand cheerleaders around the world that are already super fans that are selling your product yeah. like they're completely missing yeah. the mark like totally. completely and they're making things way too hard and they're wasting a lot of marketing dollars and it like literally kind of makes me sick um but until you understand the strategy you can't make somebody do something yep. and so how how can we make people who don't who are working way harder than smarter how can we like undo that and make them take a step back to see that like you're working way too hard here like is there something that like an intervention technique that you would recommend <laughs> well what's funny is i find that once you sort of break it down into its first principles and and 
help people understand this, they usually have this aha moment, you know, and it's not, honestly, it's not their fault. Okay. It really is not their fault. It's, do you know, you know, the CIA, right? You know, how they torture people. They, they, torture, they torture people with noise, right? Noise. Oh. And, and that's essentially like what, most of these sales and these marketing and sales enablement tools are are doing. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that Martech study, but there's one which shows how many marketing and sales enabled tools are out there. And like the number of tools in 2011 was 150. And currently right now there's something like over 7,000 of them. Well, if all these tools could solve your problem, why do they keep making more of them? Well, they do it because they want to keep you confused because that's how they get you to spend more of your money, (laughs) right? If you just, if you just knew that all you needed was cold email and LinkedIn and a place to put them in a free community, like a Facebook group or something. And then you just needed to kind of like, you know, get a free zoom account and interview some smart people they would all go broke and go bust, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't want you sure. to know that, right? They want you to have all these fancy analytics tools. They want you to have this funnel and this email automation thing and this report and do do SEO and PPC. And listen, you're talking to a person who owned digital marketing agencies. I own two of them and exited both of them. I used to sell this stuff. So mm-hmm. I loved when people are confused because it means they needed me. I can, you know, they need it for that service. <laughs> so, but, but you really don't need it if you sell B2B. You just need to get those two things right and stay consistent with those two things it actually feels good like you know helping people and being helpful and useful and connecting people geez louise man at the end of the day it's just fun and you can look at the mirror and and really like yourself you know like (laughs) yeah and sleep at night i I literally don't have people sleep at night sometimes i'm like what you were selling is such a sack of shit. And <laughs> like you t- you're talking to the wrong girl today because I'll tell people, yeah. I'm like, like yesterday, this, this company we work with, they wanted me to listen to this um, software company talk about like a LinkedIn strategy. Mm. And so, you know, that's 30 minutes of my time. I'll never get back. At mm. least I was walking on my treadmill desk. So I was getting steps in. Mm. So Otherwise, it was a complete waste of time. And they're showing me how you can download 500 emails per day. And I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. In fact, I have an email address that's on LinkedIn that is only for LinkedIn. And when I get emails, it goes straight to junk and it is complete. It's deleted. I don't even look at them because it's spamming people and cold calling people. And we want to stay on the platform, on the LinkedIn platform and message people directly on LinkedIn and build authentic relationships and so that we can convert a sale, but we have to add value first. So if someone wants to start building a community, what are the, it sounds like you're a fan of like Facebook groups. What are some other platforms well, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, the, honestly, LinkedIn is a great place to begin. So your example of what you're talking about, I'd love to just build off of that for a second and give sure. a very clear plan of like actually how to leverage LinkedIn in, in, in the right way. So whenever you're on any platform, you, you want to keep people on the platform that they're on. Okay. <laughs> and, right. And, and because we want to, re- we want to remove friction. The mistake that everybody makes is everybody's trying to get people to either scrape the information on one platform, get them moved to another, or 
communicate on that platform only to move them to something else. Even sometimes it's your own crap. Like you're trying to put them into your own lead magnet, right? Which is like, honestly, not really the best strategy most of the time, but people do it because they want, they feel like they have more control if they can put them on their list. But today it's really not necessary on LinkedIn. Like what you want to do is you, you want to first grow your connection requests with people who are active on LinkedIn. So to be able to know who that is, the first thing you do is you get a sales navigator account. It's a paid account with LinkedIn. It costs like 70 bucks a month, but it's totally worth it. And when you do a sales navigator search and for your ideal prospects who you want to network with, you can sort it by, are they active? Because not everybody's active, right? If they're not active, reaching out to them on LinkedIn is probably not a good place to go. But if they're exactly. active, if they're active, great. Now what you want to do is go through and create a system. Either you do it or a VA does it, and send a very quick, short, personalized connection request to them. And that's it. No selling. Absolutely no selling. Just look at their profile, find something to be quick to connect on and ask for the connection request with no selling and no obligation whatsoever. By, by connecting and growing your first connections, now you have the opportunity for them to see your amazing content that's gonna show up in the newsfeed. And here's what you need to understand with LinkedIn. LinkedIn has 600 million active users who are logging in every day, just like they log into Facebook or Instagram. But here's the big opportunity with LinkedIn no one's posting. So they're logging in four or five times a week, but they're not posting. Only 1% of people are posting. So if you just post, you immediately get more eyeballs on your stuff. Now, the only way you get eyeballs on your stuff is if you have more first connections. So if you look in the newsfeed and you go to your newsfeed, pay attention to what shows up and you'll see what shows up is people you're either a first connection to, or if something that's a second connection, it's only because a first connection either liked it or commented on it or obviously reshared it right? So that, that's, that's it. You need more first connections and then you need to put more content and the content that you put in front of them, guess what it is? It's that interview content, right? Think like a talent scout, interview other people who are really smart <laughs> and stand beside them and ask them really smart questions and put that in your LinkedIn newsfeed. And I suggest that you put in very short 60 second, two minute videos because people consume this in snackable little bits and with the impressions over time, they will get to know, like, and trust you. And often, every once in a while, you can put a little offer out there and you'll get, you'll fill your inbox with lots of leads. It happens to me all the time. So I get about a million impressions every quarter on my LinkedIn content by just creating this really simple, easy content like this every day and just by growing my connections. So I'm at 27,000 connections on LinkedIn. And so you can just slowly grow that over time and it, the more you do it, the better it gets. And it's just a very simple, everyday, repeatable strategy that you can do. And you keep them on LinkedIn. Keep them on LinkedIn. Yeah, you don't want friction. So even like in general too, like like even like here's a here's a real tip that people will help people a lot is all these webinars and lead magnets, you, you need to throw them in the garbage and stop doing it. <laughs> It's so 2015, like, you, like there's so much, there's such great technology today. It's called a pixel. Okay. And okay. these pixels exist on Facebook and, and Instagram and pixels exist for, you know, Google, which is like Google AdWords and yep. display network and YouTube. Right. And Twitter has them and LinkedIn has them. Everybody has these pixels. And what's really cool about a pixel is once you have it, that's actually a list. So, so what that you don't own the email address, 
boo hoo, right? Like, you know what I mean? Let your super fans do that. But what you do when, here's what happens when you send someone to a landing page. Well, you fire that track it over, traffic over. Let's say you send over, like, let's keep the numbers really simple. You send over a hundred people. And let's say it's a really targeted list or ad that you're running and you get a 20% opt-in. Most people don't, it's more like 3%, but let's just say that you had 20%. Mm-hmm. So that's 20 people. So you already lost 80 people who are perfect to see your message. And then they go into your email autoresponder, which most of the time never ends up in their inbox because there's so many filters on things and ends up in updates and promotion and sometimes even spam. Like they just never see it. And then you want them to show up to your webinar or do this particular thing. The time it gets through, you might get one person. <laughs> and uh, like one Sorry. person, right? <laughs> so why are you doing that? Instead, why don't you just take that webinar and play it in real time or break it up into little stackable pieces of content and play it right in the newsfeed. You have an audience, they pixeled, they already went and showed interest in your stuff. Just show them the presentation. And if you just show more people the presentation without any friction, without all those different steps, they probably will buy from you. And it's so darn cheap to run these ads for video views to, to people like this, that you just get huge conversions. It's so silly that people have all these extra steps. Like just think about all the extra steps you're creating. You're creating so much friction that anytime you can remove steps, anytime you can remove processes, remove people, remove steps to deliver the thing that they're looking for, the better it is. Trust me, at the end of the video, you can just say, here's how you get a hold of me. People will connect the dots. You just put your, you just put your email on the screen. Email me here. People will email you, text message me here. You know what I mean? Let them, let them do the thing that they need to do. I mean, it's, it's 2020. It's crazy. <laughs> I will say though, like, um, and I have had people tell me like consultants that we work with, um, stay, keep, stay on the platform. People contact you on. However, yeah. so I'm a productivity consultant yeah. and, um, I don't have time to check 15 different platforms. Totally. And so, and you know, I have a team and we, we have multiple VAs and what I have found though, is that if we can follow a process, it keeps us more organized as a team. And so it even, I mean, this still happens like yesterday, this lady that saw me speak somewhere at a, at a digital conference and she wanted a 30 minute complimentary consultation on something. And she somehow got my phone number, which was fine, whatever. And she was, so she was emailing my assistant and she's texting me, which is causing Mm -hmm. confusion Mm -hmm. because I'm telling her one thing. And really I don't control my schedule. Someone else does that because it Mm -hmm. frees me up to Mm -hmm. focus on teaching, doing things like this, creating content, selling Mm -hmm. and, and giving value. And so, um, I, and so my assistant's like, can you please stop texting her and just tell like, yeah, cause you're creating, you're creating me, problems. Yeah, exactly. Like it yeah. miscommunication. She's yeah. like, please let me schedule her. I'll get her on the calendar, you know? So, and I'm like, you're right. Like I need to, you know, stop the back and forth. But what the lady, what we didn't realize is she was never getting our emails because it was mm-hmm. going to junk. So she's yeah. like, I'm texting you because I'm not getting your, so you, you, you've got to ask questions sometimes to like drill down the problem. But going back to what you're saying is thinking to the way they first contact me is somehow people will get my phone number. And it took me a very long time to get my cell phone number off the effing internet. Yeah. And mainly that was 
because people of spam. It's so annoying. Yeah. I probably have thousands of like spam numbers that I've blocked on my iPhone. Totally, totally. But yeah. So it's like, how do you, what are your recommendations when, if you have people contacting you, you know, on all these different platforms, do you train a VA to go to all the different platforms? And, mm -hmm. you know, from a time perspective, like what, what, what is your suggestion for that from sure. a time perspective? Sure. So I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer two. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to answer two things in there. So the first one I want to answer is the, the challenge that you are running into is really common. Mm -hmm. And, and really what we're talking about is th that's a technology stack issue. So, so there are CRMs today. So I use go high level is the one I use and it pulls everything into a single conversation. So whether it's email, text messaging, phone numbers, it's, it, it all centralizes around one database and then one person or the team can answer it there, whether it looks like you or not, uh, but there's no confusion. So one is the technology of just pulling it into the right, right way and organizing it. And then getting your email delivered to things is again, a technology thing. So you need to figure out, you got to get a couple things down really well to do that. So there's, so when it comes to email deliverability and getting it to the inbox, you need to have some technical things set up, which are, are one time. So one is DKMI, the, the other one is DMARC, and the other one is, oh my God, it's escaping right now. I can't remember the top of my head right now, but you gotta, you gotta have that set up right. If you don't have that set up right, it miscommunicates to the, the to the, the internet server providers that this may not be legit or spoofing, it'll send it to other areas. The second okay. thing is you need to get your emails and get all the HTML out of it because it just reads like a newsletter. And if you have a newsletter there, it goes there. And the third thing is the intent of the emails. So everyone sends their emails like a broadcast and, and these the, like Google and, and all these tools, they're reading your email, not the words in it. They can actually understand the intent. And when you send it like a broadcast, they know that it's more like a newsletter versus a one-to-one -one communication. So you got to rewrite all the copy to your emails, write it as though you're writing it to your best friend, like as a single email, as a one-to-one, -one, and then send those emails. And then all of a sudden they start getting to the inbox. Plus you might have a domain quality score thing. And the best way to fix it is to just start asking for more replies in your emails versus the broadcasting before you send people the assets. Okay. So those are some very quick technical things that'll get it to the inbox and, and, and tech step that'll fix that. Now your second question about like, Hey, how do I manage all these different things? Okay. So the first answer is do one platform at a time. Okay. So here's, here's a mistake. A lot of people make, you know, let's, I always tell people you, you, you only have a hundred points and you don't get to win anything unless you get to a hundred points. Right. And, and so mm -hmm. here, here, here's, here's the thing, you have a hundred points in the day and you only win if you get to hundred points. And here's what most people do. They spend 25 points on Instagram. They spend 25 points on Facebook, 25 points on LinkedIn and 25 yep. points on their website. At the end of the day, nothing got done and they won nothing, right? Right. Well, what would be better is pick one. Pick one and get it to 100 points and get that down to a system where you and your team can run that with, without you, okay, mm -hmm. as well as possible. And then you add another platform and another system onto it, but not until you do that. And the way you choose the best platform is you choose the one where your audience hangs out. So if it's B2B, the place you need to be is LinkedIn. Start start with LinkedIn and just just do LinkedIn, okay? Yep. <laughs> and, you know, if it's like, so you just figure out where your audience lives, go there, live there, get that down into a system until you can do it where it, they, no one needs you anymore where you're obsolete, right? Where you've made yourself redundant, then 
you can move on to the second platform and only until then. So that's, that's how I would solve those particular problems. And, and it always comes back to that. Less is more anyways. Like, you know, you don't need to be everywhere. This, this, again, this is the noise and all the mistrust and the lies that people tell you, you know, this is like, I love Gary Vee, but, <laughs> I, but you know, Gary Vanjack's great. He's awesome. And I believe in a lot of his strategies, but sometimes it's just like too much, like, you know, yeah. like being everywhere, spray and pray doesn't work. Be, be focused, pick, <laughs> pick, pick a platform to go deep on. <laughs> we like our, our new clients that have no social media whatsoever. Mm. We say the exact same thing. Yeah. One platform for at yeah. least 90 days. Like we yeah. have to master it in 90 days. And so then of course they're like, well, what do you think? Where should I start? Yeah. And I'm like, well, people see Facebook as I guess like a second website and the most people are on Facebook but the, I know that the engagement isn't as good on Facebook, mm. but for somebody who has no social media and they're just starting, what platform would you suggest they start on? Uh, so, so again, I would recommend wherever their ideal audience hangs out, right? Yeah. So like if I was doing young, younger generations, I would probably go to Snapchat and, and TikTok, right? Or, mm -hmm. or possibly Instagram, right? But it, it just depends if I'm marketing towards, you know, uh, grannies and 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 boomers i'd probably do facebook right mm -hmm. and then if i'm looking at business entrepreneurs it's probably going to be um you know linkedin now now that being said all of those things can be super simplified like there's there's the question is always to be asked as well too like what what does easy look like how how do i make this simpler and easier there's always a way to back it down and I'll give you an example. I grew one of my companies, you know, very, very close, just under eight figures a year. Okay. That I sold that company I sold in 2018. And I almost entirely built that business on a very simple thing, which was just running mastermind dinners. That was it. I get once a month, I, I get five CMOs in the city to sit down, have dinner. I paid for it. And I got all of us to know each other. That was it. That was the only thing I did. So I would just email like, you know, 10 to 15 of them a month and I get five into a dinner to hang out and it would, you know, create a network and make me money. So, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. That's a very simple, repeatable, I got to eat dinner anyway. So do they, right? Right. It, it's like the easiest thing in the world. Forget like all these funnels and everything else that, that literally, you know, created a lot of business, you know, just doing that one simple thing. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, like, mm -hmm. I know that you said you do like simple automation, and so what are some of the, and, and, and I agree with you, like there are way too many tools and I am probably the person, I mean, I feel like I've used them all. We have, mm. we have worked on every platform we have, and, and mainly because we have clients that like different things. I got in bed with Infusionsoft a long time ago. We oh, call yes. it confusion soft yeah they Still. unfortunately have that name that's i think why they've changed to the keep, keep. right yeah yeah they're... i guess they're trying to make it sticky i don't know but i mean once you you build all these these things and and these automations mm -hmm. um what would you say and now you know there are easier platforms i think kajabi's way easier convert kits way easier like i i do think people you know they should have a crm right mm -hmm. to like yep. keep keep things organized and tag things appropriately. Totally. But what are your favorite platforms if people want or they're looking to automate something, what would you suggest that they use? So, so 
I'm a, I'm a bit agnostic on the system that you use. I say use what works for you. I do have my favorites. So I have also used Confusionsoft and Infusionsoft in the past. That was the first CRM that I actually ever used. Um, How did I, you get out of bed with them? Okay. <laughs> well, it, I kind of went through the journey of moving into more enterprise tools for a while. So I ended up using like HubSpot and Salesforce and mm-hmm. Marketo because that was the audience that I sold to was larger companies for a while. And then, you know, now that I've sold those and I'm back to a smaller company, I do prefer some of the smaller tools that are easier. My, my current favorite one that I think is a really good one is called Go High Level. And it's an excellent tool. So it does, it does everything you want it to do, which is perfect. So it does the funnels like ClickFunnels. Okay. It does the mm-hmm. email, does the email automation, does the text messaging automation, does the ringless voicemails. I mean, you can connect it all together as a full CRM with a pipeline. You can put your courses in there and it's all just one system that's pretty easy to use. I mean, at the end of the day, you can hire people to help you set it all up. If it's too confusing, I understand tech can be very overwhelming. I mean, I can, I can't tell you how many times I've spent, you know, trying to do something all day and then you finally get a hold of tech help and you find out that it was like one comma or one button to press <laughs> one or, or there's literally it's staring at you in the face saying, click this. And for some reason I see everything, but that one thing on the screen, I don't know why. Like I just literally cannot see until someone goes, it's right there. Like, and I'm just like losing my mind and, and I want to <laughs> and throw my laptop, you know, out the window and give up forever this, this is tech. That's just the way it goes, you know? Um, so what I've learned to do too is as you make more money, if it's not your strong point, like that's one of the first things you just contract other people. Like you got to look at it this way. You got to always be focused on your unique ability, right? So like, what, what are you really, what are you really good at? And what do you love doing? And anything that's not, that you're not really, really good at, and you don't really love doing, try to get it outsourced to other people to handle it for you. There's a ton of smart people because there's a ton of people out there whose unique ability is not yours. It's your weakness, right? So if you can make some money, um, do that as soon as possible and your life will be much better. Amen. So the the go high level, is this the platform that you mentioned where all of your messages from every platform can come into one area and then someone can handle it from there? Totally. So it connects okay. to like Facebook Messenger, it connects yep. to your your bot, it can, like it connects to just about everything will go in there. Uh, LinkedIn doesn't, but LinkedIn is just one of those platforms that's still like like you can't even like on LinkedIn schedule a video that get posted there because they don't open their API. You have to log in right. naturally. Like LinkedIn is literally 10 years behind everybody else. But yep. this is the good news. This is 2020 right now. There's also a lot of opportunity there. So like LinkedIn right now is more like Facebook was 2012. So if mm-hmm. you jump on now and build your following and, and can handle that their their technology is behind all the other cool things that you can do on Facebook or Twitter and, and other places, it's a really, really great place to hang out. But just know it's like some, there's some things that are just so ridiculously silly, you know, like, you know, you still can't even get Facebook. You can't get LinkedIn live for everyone. Like you have to go on a beta waiting list and mm-hmm. you know, there's all these challenges with that, but they'll fix that. It'll come and eventually they'll open up their API and assuming, or hopefully Microsoft will. And, and then you can pull it into your, your CRM. Now, the other good news is this CRM is even if it, you have a tool that doesn't directly do it, they do support uh, uh, a tool called Zapier. Mm-hmm. And you can just zap it. 
um, by using webhooks and things like that. And that's probably super confusing for a lot of people, but just note that there's a third party tool that if you can connect it to, and if you can export anything into a Google sheet or a CR, into like a CSV file or something like that, you pretty much can use Zapier to go in and zap anything to any other system. So you should be able to, to automate it at the end of the day. And Zapier, I mean, we have so many zaps that automate things like from our email to Dropbox to yeah. Google Drive mm -hmm. um, to our contract system through HelloSign or DocuSign or whatever the hell we use. But it is um, very addicting. So like once you learn how to set up a zap and you're like, oh my God, that worked. And then you just keep going, which is what we've done over the years. So like Zapier, people are like, is it Zapier? Is that, I'm like zap things, zapping and automation keeps you happy. Yeah. So it's Zapier makes you happier. So the guy that founded it, his wife is also a productivity consultant. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so she's been on our, on our podcast a long time ago. And, um, I got to know them like very early on. And so to, to use them and watch them grow has been incredible because it's a, it's one simple tool that just zaps all these systems. And yeah. it's the, you know, some people are like, it's one more platform to pay for. I'm like, would you rather pay for two full-time employees or would you rather pay a hundred dollars a month for hundreds of zaps that are automating totally. your shit like come on <laughs> totally there's a lot of money in this of connecting of tools it's kind of like the internet of things right like we have all this technology now that it now needs to be connected right from your thermostat to your cameras to your phone and it's slowly yep. ha slowly happening but the problem is it's democratized and everybody owns their own ip around it a company like zapier connects all that mismatch that's out there now companies are getting better like the one thing about go high level that's really great is they literally are making a lot of other tools obsolete so like you don't need the contract one you don't need the like literally you can save probably about two grand per month by just consolidating to that one tool and the yep. best part is they don't charge you by seats so you can have unlimited amount of people like the biggest problem with a lot of this these tools is they charge you by seats and that's how they get you right like yep. so as your team grows next thing, like that was my problem with hubspot like next thing i knew my hubspot bill was like 20 grand per month I'm like, whoa, yep. I'm like, I mean, not a month. I mean a year, sorry. Uh, 20 grand per no, year. I'm, I know I, people who pay 30 grand a month for HubSpot because they have humongous lists. You, yeah. They, well, they, they probably, that's a good problem to have though, if it's that big. Yeah. As long as it's converting, <laughs> yeah. as long as it's making you double, then, yeah. you know, we're good. <laughs> well, that's the pro That's the thing that once they get you, you don't want to switch. Like switching is so hard and, and it's, it and sometimes people don't want to switch because it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. Right. And, yep. and you just, you, you've had so many experience. You're like, damn, I'm going to switch. It's going to be the same old crap over there. And there's that learning curve and all changing your muscle memory. It's all that stuff. It goes back to like that old saying that people used to say, nobody ever gets fired for hiring IBM. So everybody just goes with the plain vanilla beige safe bet, right? There's like, Hey, yeah. we're already here, but this is why those companies are worth so much. Like Salesforce is worth a lot of money for a very good reason, because it's hard to get off of it. Like once you, yep. especially enterprise, you know, once you put your enterprise account of like hundreds of thousands of people onto one platform, like good luck trying to get off of it. Mm -hmm. Never going to happen. Right. So, yep. but small yep. people, like I'm just a small company for me, I can just switch like this. I'm like a speedboat. I can just switch from tool to tool, to tool, to tool I want if I needed to, but um, it's something worthwhile to really spend some time on and figure out what is the right tool that you're going to live with for the next five to 10 years. Pick, pick, pick wisely. What was that Indiana Jones one where the guy didn't pick the cup wisely and then all their faces <laughs> melted off? 
that's kind of like what happens. If you don't pick wisely, your face is going to melt off, you know? So pick, right? pick wisely. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, if people want to connect with you, where should they go? What's the best place to go to? So please just go to automationwolf.com. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. It's just automationwolf, W-O-L-F.com. That's, that's where you want to go. Awesome. So if you guys want to apply and to be in uh, Matthew's community, then go to automationwolf.com. We'll put it in the show notes so you guys have a direct link. And um, anything else that we have for you and follow up to this, we'll put all of that in the show notes. We, we should probably have a free guide for you coming out soon on how you can really leverage LinkedIn um, and it's not as hard as it sounds or seems like it really can be simple, y'all. So don't discount the platform if you don't know how to use it, because you can simply follow Matt's best practices and really see an ROI, but you got to be consistent. That's the number one thing. So Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. This was awesome. And I learned a ton. Thank and you so much for having me. That was great. Lots of yeah. fun. Awesome. And I know that our listeners learned a ton too. So everybody that's listening, thank you so much for your time today and be sure to tune in next week to another episode of Business Unveiled. Everybody have a great day. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember, the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.